Are you a 3PL spending more time and money than you'd like recruiting and onboarding logistics roles? Then it's time to check out Rapido Solutions Group, the leaders in nearshore logistics staffing. Located right next door in Mexico, they have access to the freight talent you need. From carrier sales to tracking and tracing and everything in between, they can do the heavy lifting for you. So if you're ready to get your time back and want to move fast, check out Rapido Solutions Group. Visit GoRapido.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, the FreightWaves podcast highlighting founders doing it the way that doesn't get a lot of attention. We're here to change that and grow the small business community in our industry by sharing their stories and inspiring others to take the leap. I'm your host, Nate Schutz. Let's build something together from the ground up. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. It is always lots of things popping in the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics world. So without spending too much time on all the updates that have happened lately, I will just jump right in today with our guest, who I'm going to have to go formally on record and say that was one of my coaches as I learned to get into the world of podcasting. I spoke to him before I spoke to any other founder on the show. And it's been eight months now of doing the show before we've actually had a chance to get him on. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Ryan Schreiber, who's the VP of Industry and Growth over at Metaphora. But that barely begins to scratch the surface on all the things that Ryan has his hands on. He advises multiple founders. He's got a holding company where he is the founder of that. And he's an all-around industry expert. Without putting too much of a challenge in front of you today, Ryan... We have two things you have to accomplish. You can't swear. And I want to hear how low you can go. Is that fair? Yeah, for sure. Why don't you uh, take it from there, introduce yourself, let folks know what you're up to. You know, probably the nicest introduction I've gotten ever. I'm married and my, my wife just is probably like my biggest fan as most people's wives are. But also my wife is just like brutal. And we laid in bed last night and I have a Twitter feed. S word, my wife's name says. I've had it for, oh God, like, you know, we've been married for seven years. So I've had it probably at least that long. But last night we laid in bed and I was actually going through some of the old tweets and we were just laughing at how just rude she is and mean sometimes. And like, she doesn't mean it from like a, she's not coming from a bad place. She's just like flippant. Anyway, so it was nice to hear you uh, say that, that I inspired you to talk to you about doing this because my ego needed a little bit of rebuilding. But I'm Ryan. I, uh, as Nate said, I'm the VP of in. My main thing is I'm the VP of Industry and Growth at Metaphora, which is a um, consulting firm that works just in transportation, logistics, and supply chain. I've been here for about three and a half years. But before that, I started. I was in industry. I was a freight broker for a while. I started three different companies in this space before joining, including a tech company. So. And as you said, like now my passion is really in working with businesses, whether that's through Metaphora or um, I work with a lot of startups doing um, advisory work and stuff like that in terms of helping to shape the future of the space. So, Well, one of the ways that we got introduced is because I happened to listen to most of your podcast series before starting mine. Can you just tell a little bit about what the essence was that you were going for in that series? I have a lot of respect for you for keeping this up for so long and anybody who keeps their podcast up because like anybody who knows me knows that um one of my uh, mottos is ABWI always be winging it 
And so I put like the least amount of effort into putting that podcast together that you could possibly imagine. And it was still just a ton of work. I'd like to revisit it at some point, but I got to figure out how to make it less work for myself. But the concept of the podcast, it was called Inside the Founders Studio. And it had less sort of to do with founders per se. I just liked the name. But it was talking to highly successful people about the concept of fear of failure and imposter syndrome. You know, as somebody who started multiple businesses, as somebody who, you know, sort of like has a job where I'm responsible for being an expert, my observation is that not just for myself, but for lots of other folks, that what holds them back is fear of failure and imposter syndrome. And like I deal with imposter syndrome. Some days I wake up and I'm like, these people are going to figure out that I have no idea what the F I'm talking about at some point. And like, then my whole life is going to be ruined. And then there's other times, of course, where like I say something that I think is brilliant. No one else thinks it's brilliant, but I think it's brilliant. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm brilliant. So, you know, the podcast was about talking to these people who are highly successful about their journey, obviously, in building their businesses. But really, I always came back to this concept of fear of failure and, and imposter syndrome. I'm glad that it, it somewhat inspired you. Well, it's been maybe one of the common threads that has emerged because when you're dealing with highly successful founders or anybody at an elite level, they've accomplished oftentimes far more than they ever set out to accomplish or that they even thought was possible. And so that gap in between what they once thought was possible and then what they did can be really disorienting. It starts to become your identity then is defined by that success. And the opposite of that is, am I really this great? And if it goes poorly, am I really that bad? Well, internally, you know, you know, what I wanted to explore or share or what have you is like none of these people weren't afraid of failing, except for Kevin Nolan. <laughs> but if you know Kevin Nolan, that's not Kevin that Nolan, for those who don't listen, is the head of Nolan Transportation. He's the founder Group. of Nolan Transportation Group. Yeah, NTG. They're a part of Transportation Insight now. But Kevin Nolan's the only person who was like, no, I wasn't afraid of failing. You know, there's people who certainly say like failure isn't an option or whatever, but like at some level, like all of these people are afraid of failing. But what we see as outsiders is success. We don't see the times when they failed. Also, like we have this concept that failure is all or nothing. Like you can if you fail, it's ruinous. You know, that's not the case. Like you can have little failures. You do have little failures that don't have to snowball into the end of the world. And so to your point, like what we see is from the outside, success. And what we don't see that the person in the seat or who did it sees is like, this was freaking luck. The question of like, you know, is it, you know, how much of this was hard work and how much of this was luck? Like, you know, people answer that question differently. I'm just here to tell you that for every single one of us, 100% of us, 100% of human beings, it is 100% luck. That's it. Like, I don't care what anybody else has to say about it. It's true. And internally, I think most people realize that, but they, you know, they maybe don't articulate it because they're like, yeah, yeah, that diminishes my accomplishments, whatever, whatever. The reality is that they know, oh my God, like this could have gone the other way easily. And it didn't. That's where the imposter syndrome comes in. People look at me and tell me I'm great. I know that I'm not that great. I mean, I'll even just say for me, and then I'll stop talking. I'm very self-deprecating. And I have been my whole life because I've always been fat. I've always been not particularly attractive as a male. I've always had a lot of confidence. But like, I'm going to beat you to the punch. And I do that even now. Like, I mean, listen to any podcast I do or whatever it is. 
somebody will say something nice about me or look at LinkedIn. I'll, I'll always make fun of myself. I'm beating you to the punch in part because of the whole concept of imposter syndrome. Now, I'm okay. Trust me. like I'm fine. But it does. It all comes back to that concept of like... Well, subconsciously, it comes back to that concept that if somebody does go, well, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Dude, I've been trying to tell you I don't know what I'm talking about for six years. Like, just look at everything I put out. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, you're not telling me anything. I don't know. Of course, I know that I don't know what I'm talking about. I've been trying to tell all you people I don't know what I'm talking about. So, you know, it's certainly that dynamic, Nate, I think at the core of what you're talking about is that that's where it comes from. I remember when I was a teenager, I was learning how to ski and I was not a very good skier and still am not a good skier. And you would get on a ski hill and it would start to get steep. And I had this fear of if I keep going, I'm going to start going so fast that when I do wipe out, it's going to be really, really bad. And so instead, I'm just going to wipe out while I'm going slowly so that I don't you know, have a total yard sale. And I realized you know, years and years later that I was doing kind of that same thing. I was giving myself an out to fail almost where the stakes were low because of the fear of what would happen if I went full bore. And in this case, it was physical, but the fear was still, you know, internal. I've gone back to that feeling so many times in my own career where do you really want to shoot for the moon? Because if you do and you don't make it, then does that mean you're worthless? Uh, like there's so much to unpack there, Nate. But what I kept what I always talked about on my podcast, the genesis of my podcast was me essentially going through that journey myself before I joined Carrier Direct. Before I left, I talked to a bunch of people in my network and just asked them a bunch of these questions as I worked through some of the stuff myself. But the place I think I'll I'll jump in to unpack what you just were just talking about is the concept of like, okay, well, if I shoot for the moon and I don't make it, what does that say about me? And that goes back to this concept of failure. The delta between success and failure isn't have everything, lose everything. What folks need to think about is, what do I have now? If I do this other thing, how difficult will it be for me to replace what I have right now? You know, Part of the problem in the concept too is, it's podcasts like How I Built This, which I think is great. I've only listened to a few episodes, but I think it's great. But we hear these stories of like the Airbnb founders who maxed out their credit cards, who bet everything, who, you know, who it would have been ruinous had it not worked out. But that's not most people's journey. It's not. And so it's this flywheel of like you get what you put out in the universe. And so like thinking about, okay, well, how hard is it going to be for me to replace what I have today? And then why don't I go do anything else? And then even how do I create an environment where I can take risks a little bit more safely. And that's different for everybody. I mean, part of the reason most of these founders in the like bet everything could do it are one of two reasons. One, they had nothing to begin with. So losing everything was a small drop. Or they had everything to begin with. So like they couldn't really lose everything. And you know, we lose sight of the fact that like the middle ground is the story for most founders, most companies, most stories of success are I'm doing well. I'm going to go try and do my own thing. And if it doesn't do what I want it to do, I'll just go back and get a job that looks like the job I have now. But with additional experience as an entrepreneur and all the lessons that came I'm going to fail it. up. That's actually the exactly. real story. Every business that I've started, like I said, I've started before I joined this company, I started three brokerages. None of them, none of them turned out the way that I wanted them to. All of them would have been a failure in some respects, even though 
You know, one of them we sold to Transport America. It wasn't until after I left. The other one, I won't say much because there's some, you know, it's a little bit fraught, but let's just say the business is still around and I got in bed with people I maybe was a bad marriage. And then the last one, we were venture backed. Me and our co founders, we didn't agree on strategy and we ran out of money. You know, one's okay. One did pretty well and like one died. But like those experiences, have created a situation where in each... And listen, there were hard times in some of that. There were really, really... I tried to... At one point, I tried to start my own independent consulting business and like I didn't have the network, whatever. So, I mean, there were times when it was hard. And I need... you know, And I was like working manual labor jobs at 30-something years old just to try and keep it going because like that next thing, whatever. Luckily, I had my wife who... you know, As I talked about with her Twitter account earlier, sometimes she says some things to me that can be uh, interesting. She's incredibly supportive, but I wouldn't be here where I am without those experiences and without those, you know, if you, even if you want to call them setbacks. And so, like, I have a great job now. That's where the concept of like failing upward is very real because either you win or you learn, right? And and that's the uh, better you know way to think about. It. We'll be right back. Have you heard about Bitfreighter and the EDI revolution? Bitfreighter helps companies automate communication with their freight partners through unlimited messaging and quoting. Traditional providers can't say that. The Bitfreighter team is also available 24-7 and responds immediately by phone, email, or yes, even text. Legacy providers can't say that either. So if you want to scale your operations to save time and money, come join the EDI revolution with us. Visit bitfreighter.com to get started today. Well, you've now twice brought up stuff that your wife says. So I have to confess that I have a running list in my phone of quotes from my wife. And so as soon as you said that, I brought my list up and I'm going to put her on the spot. I'm going to maybe say one or two of the quotes that my wife has said that are kind of in the same category that we laugh about all the time because they're in good fun, but they don't come out the way that yeah, you know, they, read, read, they don't yeah, come uh-huh, out the way that yeah. they sound in person. Uh, one of them was, you know what you should do? Push-ups. Oh my God. That sounds like something Shaday would say too, for sure. Let's start the discussion with an argument. Um, no, 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 thank you. Sometimes I like you, but most of the time I'm just annoyed. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. we uh-huh. share that in common. My wife, on our second date, my wife told me I look like a manatee. And I'm like, this is the woman I'm going to marry for sure. You know, what precipitated us reading through her tweets last night or the tweets that I put for her last night was Curtis Garrett had posted, if anybody knows Curtis Garrett. He's like an LTL guru, works for a company called Freight Plus. He posted something that his kid had said to him about like how he asked some questions and it's annoying. And I'm like, my wife says stuff like that all the time to me. So, you know, we're reading through all of these. And one of them was like something to the effect of like, you can talk to me, just don't ask me any questions. Or like one time she said, as you lose weight, does your head get smaller too? Because like she thinks I have a big head. One time she told me that I look like a beluga whale. You know, so I get all these things from my, anyway. It's and you're right. Like it comes. It's all in good fun. It's just her. She's not trying to be demeaning. Yeah. For founders, you know, the supportive partner part of it is unequivocally required for those who you may be able to get to a high level, but to maintain and stay at that high level, eventually the the financial rewards start to taper. the The joy that you get from that starts to taper and. Even the status or the the clout that you can develop, you know, for some that's what it's all about, but for most it's not. And having a personal life and 
you know, support network is utterly crucial. And so I'm curious because you advise and support so many founders personally, what are the most common issues that, you know, as of late that you find yourself offering as support to founders? You know, I agree in terms of having a support. I don't know that it has to be a partner per se. I mean, if you have a partner, they certainly need to be supportive, but like you need to have an ecosystem of support because being a founder is among them, you know, can be very isolating if you don't. One of my biggest learnings from the second company I started that's still around and doing okay, that I kind of got into bed with the wrong, you know, that I just, it was a bad marriage on both sides, was the concept of like, if you have to have all the answers for the business, and if the only people you have to talk to are the people in the business, it's going to be a really lonely journey. And so I think that that's an incredibly good point in terms of the ecosystem. You know, your journey is going to be made up of things that you can't anticipate. And so like what are some of the issues that I'm seeing recently aren't any different it's all they're all people businesses you know you're working with founders who like they had the same vision they have the same goals but when it comes to execution they might disagree i might be the ceo and i might have founding equity that outranks my co-founder cto and i might think that i'll use an example i one of the companies that i work with i'm talking to them about their integration strategy Metaphor has an offering for integrations. And I'm like, listen, I think this is the right option for you. And here's why. And I recognize it's self-serving. So like, you don't have to do it. But here's why I think it's right for you. You know, The CEO is like, my charter is to protect the war chest. And I see what you're talking about in terms of why this strategy makes sense for us. Right? It's going to give us... It helps us extend our runway. We don't have to borrow engineering resources. But the CTO at first was hesitant to the concept of working with an integration partner. Ultimately, whose call is it? You know, as the CEO, you don't want to undermine your partner and say, like, sorry, I'm gonna do this. Like, this is what we're doing. But at the same token, it's the right decision for the business. And ultimately, you are the steward of the business. And so, you know, whatever the issues are, whether they're business or personal, I don't know what to do next is another big one. I had some vision for my business again at like a 50,000 foot level like it was really clear to me but like I kind of checked that box so now what you know and those are certainly like what do I do now what do I do with this thing that I kind of just figured out I guess the thing that I thought was the business isn't as much of a business as I thought it would be I have something interesting here but I'm not sure how to turn it into something useful for me or anybody else and in some cases, I've had conversations with founders where they feel like it has turned into a, a gilded cage. The team is there. Everything that they ever set out to achieve has happened. And yet they feel trapped because they're now responsible for so many people. And there are you know perceptions that exist and expectations that people put on you. And that's a not only a, a lonely place to be, but from the outside, it can appear that they're very ungrateful for what they have, but it's not. A jail can be a jail no matter how fancy it looks. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? I mean, I say that over and over and over and over again. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. And listen, I think we're talking about some of the negatives of being a founder. And you know that when we first talked, what's the, what did I say to you? Just go do it. 
Uh, yes. Same thing it. I say to everybody else. Just go do it. Who cares? And so like, you know that at the end of the day, I think it's great. I think it's awesome. I think everybody should find a way to do it. It's the reason I created my podcast. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. You know, I think the important thing that you're highlighting there, Nate, at some level is you, you know, you're not tacos. You can't be everything to everyone. You're not tacos, right? You're just not. At some level, you have to be a little selfish. At some level, you're not going to please everybody. You know, I wrote an op-ed the other day for Freight Waves about something and it got published and it got some traction and I sent it to my wife. And after she flippantly said something semi-rude, she looked at it and she saw one of the comments in the comments section and it said something like not particularly flattering about what I had said, more or less called me an idiot. I certainly could get upset about that, but like maybe the guy's right. Probably not, but maybe he's right. You know, but at the end of the day, it's like at some level you have to be a little bit selfish. Now that I don't know that guy, but I do know lots of the people that I work with. You have to find a balance between being self you shouldn't be totally selfish. You have to show value and give value. But at some point, like you also have to take care of yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself, and that means taking time off. That might mean exiting the business. And it might mean, you know, whatever that might mean. But at some point, you do have to make, and that's why I think a lot of people end up in gilded cages because they're like, or building that ecosystem. Okay, I don't know how to get out. Five years ago, I wouldn't have known how to exit a business. Now, if I wanted to exit a business, I still don't exactly know how to do it, but I know who I would call and ask how to do it. You know, I saw that as a problem in my network, in my ecosystem. So I went out and solved it. And so, but I agree with you. It is, yeah. I mean, if you are in a gilded cage, it's still a cage. And a tiger in a cage can never see the sun. So how about this? We do talk about on this show a lot of the deeper personal challenges. And it's super relevant. There also are outsized rewards and amazing things that can happen. So my Ryan Schreiber Just Keep Winging It strategy says, I want you to pitch the listeners that are on the fence about starting their company and the idea that they have and give them encouragement on why they should do it. But here's the catch. I need your breathiest, deepest voice while you do it. I'm going to talk for too long to give you that, but we'll see what we can do for you, Nate. My advice, my pitch would be this. You're not alone. The experience that you are having right now in terms of deciding to do it, in terms of deciding what to do, deciding the first step, Everybody who's come before you has had that same experience. And so here's the good news. There's a lot of people you can talk to about it. And most of the people that you talk to who didn't do it will tell you that at some level, even if everything worked out, even if everything was great in their career and their life, there still is some regret in not seeing what could have been, right? But the not alone thing also, I think, is important because there's a lot of people who want to help you. You don't even know those people yet. First of all, the people that you know want to help you more than you realize they want to help you. There are people out there who want to help you who you don't even know yet. I'm one of those people. Now, there's people who are going to try and take advantage of you too. So like, watch out for them. I'm also one of those people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually... I'm not one of those people. No. But there are going to be people who try and sell you some BS, right? Who try and get you to this, that, or the other. And, and be weary of that. Be leery of that, right? 
Be leery of anybody who tries to ask you for something before showing you anything of value. There are a lot, a lot of people who will help you in your journey, and you don't even know those people yet. And then the last thing I'll say in terms of my pitch is failure doesn't mean losing everything. Success doesn't mean reaching the moon either. You can be really successful and not quite get all of the way there. So if the reason you're not doing is that the moon seems really far away, it is. But remember, the astronauts got there in a week. So it's not that far. But number two, success is somewhere between where you are today and the moon. Success is also trying. But failure isn't losing everything. Failure is something else. If you didn't learn, if you didn't... And if you really do, like I guess, ruin yourself financially or whatever, sure, that's failure. It's not going to come to that. 99.9% of the time, it's not going to come to that. And you control when you pull the eject button. So just eject before then. Define for yourself before you get started when you'll pull out. And then use your ecosystem to help you hold accountable to that. I love that. I'm, I'm so grateful to hear you say that because there are... I've found that to be the case even just doing this silly little podcast that before I ever published an episode, somebody introduced me to you. I didn't know you. And you and I spent an hour on the phone and you taught me you know, some of what you learned of doing a podcast yourself and helped me kind of develop somewhat of a format even for this show. I mean, your fingerprints are a part of this show in every single episode, whether like you're aware literally of it or not. The, this is not an exaggeration. That is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. You're very welcome. I'm glad you take the compliment because I know you're going to dodge and deflect it most of the time. And actually, on that note, maybe podcasting is the the medium for you if you don't like the video side of things. Nobody knows what I look like on video. So you know, I, I typically don't do it. I'm fine with what I look like. I'm ugly and whatever, but like I still got swagger and that's what matters. <laughs> I like it. So for real, you know, from the the host of the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics, thank you, Ryan. I personally am indebted to you. And I've talked to several of the founders that you advise, and they've, you know, shared some of the same lessons that they've learned and the guardrails that you kind of acted for a lot of other folks. Um, so where can other people find you if they do want to reach out to you or connect with you or learn more about what Metaphora does? Yeah, I mean, find me on LinkedIn. That's the best place. That's where I spend most of my time. Ryan Schreiber. I'm also on Twitter sometimes. Underscore user prime is my Twitter handle. And I would say that for anybody who might be listening to this podcast and thinking about starting something, like reach out. I can't promise that I'm going to be the most positive about your idea. I'm wrong a lot about a lot of... Th that being said, I'm certainly like more than happy to help you on your journey where I can. And I'm certainly like more than happy to chat with you about what you're working on. So LinkedIn is usually the best place to reach me. And then once you get to know me, you should text me because it's pretty much the only thing I respond to. But I'm not going to give out my cell phone number on here. So reach me on LinkedIn. We'll chat sometime. And then if I like you and I want to keep talking to you, I'll give you my cell phone number and, and we'll go from there. Ryan, thank you so much. Um, everybody, please subscribe to the show. Of course, you can join the conversation online on um, at Logistics Twit on Twitter, of course. Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn too. And then check out the Freight Waves Freight Cast section for all the other shows in the lineup. Ryan, thank you for all that you do to continue supporting the Logistics Founder community. Uh, we're all rooting for you for whatever it is that you do next. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I'm rooting for y'all too. Thanks for listening to another founder share their story on the Bootstrapper's Guide to Logistics. If you'd like to become part of the story yourself, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. 
Thank you, and we'll see you next week.